Miss Hooper, how are you? Good. It's good to see you. Is the family in town? What? Family in town for the week? Yes. That's awesome. Good to see you. Hmm. Well, good evening, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. Everyone enjoying their summer vacation so far? Everyone ready for Fourth of July tomorrow? Nice. Who's doing a barbecue tomorrow? Who's going? Who's doing a barbecue? Anyone going to a barbecue? All right, tomorrow, Fourth of July. Yeah. All right. Uh, how many of you going fishing? Anyone like to go fishing? Anyone going fishing? Nice. Anyone visiting family? Uh, anyone just relaxing, like, I'm going to enjoy the sun, go see fireworks. And, yeah, it's all fun, but let's just, let's remember as well, like, why we celebrate, you know, for everything that happened, including with our, we're celebrating our freedom, you know, when we fought for the, uh, for our country during revolution time. So just remember that and also just remember what soldiers do for us each and every day. Uh, my name is Pastor Mike, and whether you're a first-time guest, returning guest, or if you're going to be listening to this audio, I'm glad that you are here this evening. We are continuing our series in Genesis surrounding the aspect of creation, and we're going to be diving into scriptures real quickly. But I have a quick question for all of you. Have you ever had a bad day? Yes. <laughs> How many have had a bad day? All right, so we can all raise our hands on that. Well, do you want to hear how one man had a bad day? All right. So, let me t- he did not die. He did not die. But uh, let, me, let me share with you how this guy had a bad day. So, his wife was delivering their fifth child. That's not the bad news, okay? <laughs> uh, the man was delivering their fifth... The, the, the wife's man was delivering their fifth child. And the man sold an old ring box. The problem was that his wife's finger had swollen during her pregnancy, so she had placed her wedding ring inside that box. Now, the man sold the box not knowing the ring was in there. This ring is worth $22,000. You ready for the selling price? $10. Sold it for $10. So, while while many of us may not own or may sell a $22,000 ring for 10 bucks, one time or another, we may have made the same type of mistake when it comes to understanding value. Maybe you undervalued something. Maybe there was something a family owner loved, someone in your family loved because it was passed down generation to generation. You picked it up and you're like, this is a piece of junk. Off it goes. Um, Maybe it was a piece of jewelry and you didn't realize there was actually gold in that jewelry. I don't know if any of you have ever picked up jewelry, but, or maybe you had a gaming system and you sold it for cheaper than it was actually worth. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've got to deal with that. Whatever it is, sometimes we've assessed that, we've assessed that the value was actually wrong and we actually underestimated the value of whatever we're selling. Some of you may be thinking, now, what does that have to do with Genesis and us selling a ring and everything like that? Well, let me share with you that some of us in this room, maybe all of us at times, have undervalued ourselves. Maybe there's a point where we've undervalued ourselves and we thought, eh, I'm not really, really worth much. Actually, I feel like I'm not worthy at all. I have zero value. Maybe you felt like you can't do anything. Maybe you even questioned if you should even be here or why you're even here. 
Maybe you compare yourself to others on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever social media you're using today. And maybe you think, wow, they have their whole life together. They look great. They look awesome. Why can't I be like them? Here's my, my main point I want everyone to understand. I hope you write this down, drill it in your brain somehow, because this is the main point that we're going to focus on today, and, is that, and that is God created people uniquely in His image. God created people uniquely in His image. I'll say it again. God created people uniquely in His image. God created you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And everyone in this room. Even me. Even you, Bowden. And some of you, and some of you, as I say that right now, you're like, nah, he's talking about this guy to my left, or this person to the left, or in front of me and back of me. No, 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 no. Talking about you in your seat right now. God created you uniquely. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you uh, for this night. I thank you for every person that is here this evening, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I just pray uh, as we feel your presence, Lord, I pray your presence continues to fill up in here, Lord God. I just pray right now that it is your words, God, that are speaking, that is not mine, and that our, our hearts and ears and minds can be open to the message that you're going to be speaking us today, Lord God. And we give you the thanks and honor and glory of everything that will be happening in this day today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so last week we looked at the first five and a half days of creation, and we saw that God created everything for good, right? We saw everything that God created everything for good for His Son. Tonight we're going to continue moving forward to the thrilling scene where God has created something unique. Us. Humanity. Mankind was created in God's image, which is unique from all other parts of creation. Now, some of you may be asking, well, what's the, what's the image of God? If God created me out of his image, you know, because that phrase is tossed around a lot, what does that actually mean? So the image of God can be defined as mirroring God's attributes in our nature, actions, and relationships. I'll say it again. The image of God can be defined as mirroring God's attributes in our nature, actions, and relationships. Jesus, when he came to this earth, displayed the true image of God. He perfectly mirrored God's attributes, fulfilled God's will, and enjoyed a perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father. We will see that the Bible continually speaks of the image of God in humanity, even after our fall into sin, even if our ability to reflect God has been impaired because of sinful nature. Let's see how God actually first created us uniquely in His image by going back to Genesis. We'll be in chapter 21 we we'll starting with verse 26. If you have your Bible, your Bible app. If not, the verses will be on the screen. Can you guys see with me right here? Or are you good? Okay. All right. Chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply the earth, and, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed. 
This food will be for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. Evening came, and in the morning, the sixth day. And so, as humans, as we read this, and, and as we talked about, if we're created uniquely in God's image, I think one of the weaknesses we need to understand in our humanity is that sometimes we assume what it means to be a human, right? Like, who's going to know better about being a human than us? Like, could a cat tell us that, no. what it's like to be a human? What about a dog? Right, exactly. So, so who better than us humans to tell everyone what humanity is all about? But that could be our, actually our biggest blind spot. Because, as my thing is tipping over here, just because we're humans, it doesn't mean we fully understand what gives us purpose, value, and meaning when we search for God. Search for God. Honestly, God is the... Let me rephrase that. Just because we are humans... It doesn't mean we fully understand what gives us purpose, value, and meaning we search for. God is the only one who can do that. And these verses tell us what it means to be human. To be created in God's image that he has created us with a unique capacity to join him as co-stewards of creation. So we, we know that God is king over all of creation. And he doesn't need help from anyone. I mean, to be honest, he's God. He can do whatever he wants, right? Yet, we see in this chapter in Genesis that he created us to join him in his ruling efforts over the created order. God has singled us out for this task and placed us above all other creatures. You ever wrap your mind about that as you're reading Genesis? Like, think about it. Wow. I'm in steward of all the creatures in the lands here. God has placed us as caretakers over all. Can you guys say all? All. All right. All creation... And our rule should reflect the value of the Creator. And so some of you may be saying, as I say that, okay, if we have to reflect the Creator, that's awesome that we rule, but how does that, how does that look like? How do we truly reflect God and how He's ruling? Write this down. Keep this in your mind somehow. The greatest way we bear the image of God is by valuing humanity. The greatest way we bear the image of God is by valuing humanity. Our rule over creation should be marked by a deep and relentless regard for all of humanity, knowing that every tongue, tribe, and nation bear the image of God. And I asked a question to some of our student leaders. I'm going to pose the same question to you. I want you guys to ponder about And small group leaders, maybe you can bring this up later. If you had a dog, you see a dog, and then you see some random person you don't know. They're swimming, they're enjoying time and everything like that. And all of a sudden... You see the dog drowning and the human drowning. Who are you going after? Human dog. You guys can have those conversations. You guys can have those conversations during small groups. So think about that. There's a dog and a human swimming that you don't know, no relation to. They're both drowning. Who are you going to save? And you can only save one. Don't do the whole, well, if I could save both or the detail. No, you can only choose one. Some of them can, but not all of them. But anyways, so here, here. Since we're created in God's image, we are set apart from the rest of creation. We alone have the capacity to be in a 
personal relationship with God. And here's the thing. God didn't create us because He was lonely and needed us. He doesn't need us. In fact, we need Him more than He needs us. God did not create us to provide a relationship for Himself, but for Him to provide a relationship for us, which allows us to enjoy His overflowing love. And going back to that question, you know, in my personal belief, I would save the human over the dog. Some of you are like, how could you? You're going to let the dog die? I would save the human because, no offense, I'm going to value that human life more than the dog. I have a dog. I have a dog. I like my dog. But if some other person was going to be, if a person was drowning, I'm going to save them. But you see in today's culture that humanity isn't always valued. How many of you have ever watched the commercials with dogs and animals and like give to this and right? Okay, so we have hands up and heads nodding. Now, how many commercials have you seen about millions of babies dying from abortion? Mm, not as many, right? Right? So culture is trying to swing things around, but ultimately the greatest way we're going to bear the image of God is by valuing humanity. See, to bear God's image doesn't point only to the relationship we have with God. We also have a relationship with one another here, whether in this room or outside of this room. God created us male and female. The God who exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so we see there He's in community, so He's not lonely. He created us to live in community as well. That's why it's important to attend nights like these, or when we come on Sundays, or even big events like Serve Week coming up next week. Who's ready for Serve Week? Right. All right. And if you're not coming, you can come next year. All right. But here's a, key, here's a key point when it comes to community and relationship. I want you guys, again, something else to keep in the back of your mind. We reflect God best when we are in community with one another and relating to others in love and grace. Again, we reflect God best when we are in community with one another and relating to others in love and grace. And I don't have time to go into a theological discussion of defining love and defining grace. We'd be here all night and honestly, some of you would be like, I just want to go to sleep. Or play video games or whatever. But to love others means unconditionally. To love others means unconditionally. And to, that means, in a sense, to simply put it together, it means no strings attached. I'm only going to love you if you do this, or I'm only going to love you because you've done it. No. Unconditional love means there's no strings attached. To give grace means by giving undeserved favor. So let me wrap all this together by talking briefly briefly about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, once they were created in the garden, were to obey God's instructions to not eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge. They were to trust the one who was completely trustworthy, just like we are, love the one who is love, just like we are, and obey the one who gave them breath in their lungs, just like we are. But they failed, and sin entered the world. We still possess the image of God, just like Adam and Eve did, but because of the sin that corrupted the world, we aren't able to carry it out. By falling into sin, we hinder our capacity to love and obey God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, and all of our souls, and to be in relationship with Him and others the way He intended us to be. See, before everything fell into sin, 
Everything worked perfectly. Every relationship was perfect. Everything, like we were talking about it, like, think about it. All animals in harmony together. Like, hard to wrap your mind around that one. But anyways. Um, but even though we have been distorted by sin, God had a plan to restore His image that was destroyed in man. And that promise is through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to be the perfect image of the invisible God. The books of John, Colossians, and Hebrews share the following. John chapter 14, verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time without your knowing me? Without you, your knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty, majesty on high. See, we need to understand that Jesus is the only one who rules wisely over the entire world. He upholds all things by His power, and all of creation awaits and eager for His return. He is the only one who perfectly relates to God, and, other, and all of creation awaits for Christ's eager return. He is not only the face-to-face relationship with God, but he fa- His face is the very face of God. Think about that. His face... I'm sorry, he's not o- he not only has a face-to-face relationship with God, but His face is the very face of God. Because of Jesus' good work on our behalf, He lived a perfect life, dying in our place, and powerful resurrection on the third day, we are invited to His rest. We no longer need to strive for salvation, but we know we can rest in the works of Jesus Christ. And some of you right now, as we're talking about you know, being valued and having purpose, and you know, God loves you, you're like, I don't believe that. You don't know my past, Mike. You don't know the things that I deal with. I'm going to show you an example when it comes to being valued. And I hope it's impactful for you as it was for me when I first saw this. So let me ask you guys. What am I holding up right now? Money. All right. What, what, how much is this money valued at? $10. All right. So I have a $10 bill, right? I can what? I can buy a box? Ah, okay. All right. So we have $10, right? We have $10 here. Now let me ask you. I just folded it up. How much is this piece of paper? $10. Okay. Fold it up again. How much is it worth? $10. Okay. Fold it up again. How much is it worth? $10. All right. So if I unfold it, now I crumple it. How much is this worth? $10. If I throw it on the ground, stomp on it, have Amara step on it, Have, there you go, step on it more. How much is this worth? $10. That's worth nothing. Dirty money. Okay. So we all know that this is worth $10, right? 
You need to understand no matter what sins, broken relationships, uh, creases that have happened in your life, being stepped on everything like that, just because people have told you you have no value means they are wrong and you still have value. And to be honest, you're more than $10. You're priceless. Nothing that happens to you devalues you for the love of God. It is. It's not mine. It's actually Rachel. So I uh, hope she's okay with a crumpled ten dollar bill. Anyways, but some of you, some of you need to hear this right now. Some of you in this room think like you have no value in life. Some of you think you want to end your life right now. And I want to be honest. I, I want to ta- share a story with. I don't think I've ever shared this story with you. But when I was tenth grade. 11th grade, I was a huge runner in high school, right? I loved to run, and I went on to college and things like that. But I was also bullied as well growing up as a kid. I remember going on a run, and these kids in the truck, they saw me, and they were by my side, and they were running, and they were saying things. I still had my headphones in, but I couldn't really hear them at first. And then they got really loud, and they were saying some things I don't really want to repeat on, on in here. And all of a sudden, I got mad. I got frustrated. I was like, I just want these kids to leave me alone. I take my headphones out. I'm like, you just need to leave me alone. And got in their face. Whew. I still remember the guy looking me straight in the eye. And it's a way the tactic of the enemy tries to get to me every time. Because, I, you know, like some of you in here, I, I, do, um, I do struggle with you know, how my worth and value from time to time. And I think some of it has to deal with this. The guy looked me straight in the eyes and said, Mike, your life has no value. If you were to die today, no one would care. And to be honest, dirt is worth more than your life. And then him and his buddies sped off and off they went. I remember seeing that truck drive away. I really wanted to continue my run. But I was so distraught, so upset for what they said, I ran home crying. And for months, for years, I believed that lie. I believed that I wasn't worth anything. I thought I, you know, dirt was actually worth more than my life. I thought other things were worth more than my life. To the point, there were times I speculated, maybe this guy is right. And there's someone in this room, or maybe there's someone that you know outside of this room that feels that way, and I'm telling you, that is the biggest lie out there. There is someone, whether whether you're in a broken relationship, whether it's in your household, outside of your household, you know, in your classrooms, if you feel like no one loves you, you can always cling to the fact that there is one person who loves you, who knows everything about you, and that is God. That is Jesus. And how do I know that He loves you? Because Jesus died for you. God had a plan to send His Son the moment sin entered the life, entered the world, I should say. He's like, my Son is going to die for every single one of you. Now, how many of you know someone that has died for you outside of Jesus? And can also restore you to be in communion with God. Right? And so tonight, 
you know, as I called the worship team up, we're going we're gonna to do an altar call, and we're just going to take some time to pray. And if you need prayer, you know, anointing of oil, come on up. I'll ask another leader to come on up, and some of the leaders in the back, and student leaders, if you're here in the crowd, if you see people that need prayer, please come talk to these people. We want to pray for you. We want you to know that you are valued, that you are loved, that we care about you. But more importantly, we, don't care. we just don't care about you. God cares about you. He truly does. And I really want someone in here to get that if you're struggling with that. I don't know how much more I can express this, but God deeply values you. You're here for a reason. You are here for a reason. He created you in your seat. And again, if you're like, nah, that's not me. Yes, it is. It is you. So I'm going to call the worship team now. We're going to get started in worship. And let's just... Let's just ask God and the Spirit to just come into our hearts. Just, <sighs> Father, I just pray against anyone in this room right now who is maybe believing this lie, holding on to this lie that they're not valued, that they're not worthy. They truly are, God. And we know this because You love them. You sent Jesus down to die for us and for our sins, God. So during this time of worship, God, can you just call those who are not feeling valued and loved to, I pray that you show them that they are loved. Just wrap their arms around them more, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.